Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, brunning, bruning. Pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Drive-In Podcast Network, I'm your host, Matthew Bruning. I will be joined today by my usual co-host, Dennis Bennett and Matthew Fox. You can find us and a ton of other great podcasts that are associated with the Drive-In Podcast Network on MusicCityDriveIn.com. We've got music, movies, pop culture, wrestling, hockey, and fantasy football. It's a great network, a lot of fun. Some of the really best podcasts out there are all part of this network, and it's it's just a ton of fun uh, to be a part of. For today's episode, we're going to jump in and talk about the news uh, that has come down here lately with Lamar Miller, Darius Geis, and college football. And then we will jump in and break down the rest of the AFC South. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts leaving is just the AFC North to get done as we start to prepare for the 2020 NFL season. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday. We've got Matt and Dennis with us here today. As I mentioned in the intro, we are doing the rest of the AFC South. Going to go over a couple of the news items that have happened over the weekend and, I mean, just probably, what, 30 minutes before we started recording here. But before we get into that, how are you guys doing on this beautiful Monday? Man, I am on vacation. I am doing fantastic. Saw you were doing some draft prep this morning. Yeah, I have a uh, um, Matt Harrison's explosive output best ball league going on. And I've got another best ball uh, Seahawks Dan set up a a Dynasty Madman best ball. And I am uh, about halfway through that one as well. That one's 30 rounds. 17 teams. Uh, it's an eliminator, not a best ball. And I got to say, uh, pickings are getting pretty slim halfway through. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with these lat with the once we get to like round 22 or 23, uh, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, we're we're in the midst of our listener league, which I'm sure we'll talk about on Thursday. But it's uh, been kind of interesting going through, seeing the flow. It's been yeah. pretty bad. I mean, I can't. My, it, my bad on that for not actually joining in time and somebody else taking my spot. <laughs> That's all right. Let's see, let's see the way that this draft has gone down. You'll, I don't know. Um, I'm very intrigued to, to get in and discuss this on Thursday. It's been uh, interesting to say the least. So I'll put it that way. Interesting, I'll, good or interesting, bad? 
Uh, I don't know. I think kind of interesting, bad, but uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Let's just get a quick little th- thoughts on it before. I mean, we'll talk about it big time on Thursday, obviously. But Well, obviously, uh, you got payback for all the times that I sniped you in mocks this offseason by taking uh, Portland Sutton. Yeah. I needed a but one. I needed a one. And OBJ I've, already went, so. I've channeled my uh, inner Dennis a few times, you know, making sure I went out and got uh, tight end one Mark Andrews, have Preston Williams. Uh, you know, I've been, I've thought to myself a few times, what would Dennis do so that your presence is felt? So what you're saying is, is this is the league you're diversifying in? I guess yeah. diversifying. I, I mean, I kind of took, um, so it's, Superflex, 14 teams. So you wanted, I got quarterbacks early, um, but it's also tight end premium. So when Andrews was there in the fourth, I was like, doing it. Um, I've kind of, I guess, let things fall to me. I feel like I've just looked at value when it's come across. It's definitely different than any, you know, my normal tendency is to go wide receiver, wide receiver, then take some more wide receivers and then, you know, grab some quarterbacks and F all to running backs. But that's actually the position I have the most of in this one right now. You just lost Dennis too. He was, he was so disappointed in your wide receiver, wide receiver strategy. He just left. All right. Well, while he comes back, I guess we can, uh, we can start talking about the news. I guess we'll start with the worst part of it first. Cause that's uh, the stuff I don't think any of us really want to talk about what's going on. Uh, Darius guys, I don't exactly remember everything that happened, but obviously he's there and Dennis is back and now he's gone again. He didn't really want to talk about Darius guys at all, obviously. Um, yeah, he checked in. We still aren't where he wants to be. <laughs> uh, he got cut by the Washington football team, uh, with everything going on. I, I know some of the stuff was he choked out his fiance. There's uh, other things. I, I don't honestly know the specifics. I saw that he got cut, and that was pretty much all I needed to know. Uh, but he, he is gone. So thoughts, I guess, on guys first, and then we'll move on to what we think of the Redskins' backfield. We'll let Dennis go since he's temporarily here. Now I I was I was gonna share on Facebook and every time I click the face my Facebook icon it, it boots me out of the screen and takes me to Facebook it doesn't open up a new window so Those my apology God damn them uh, <laughs> I apologize mom my I was gonna my mom keeps watching and she told me I needed to stop swearing so much and so hi mom um, I think that I think Geis is gonna bounce back at some point, he'll get another shot. Um, I don't know if it'll be this year. Uh, and it'll, it, it's going to depend on what comes out. You know, we saw what happened with Kareem Hunt. You know, the league has come a long way since the Tyreek Hill and Joe Mixon incidents uh, before they got into college or into the pros and even with Hill afterward. So the, the league is making improvements with their domestic violence stuff. Uh, it's just going to come, you know, it was awkward to have them cut Darius Geis for domestic violence only to activate Reuben Foster. Yeah, that was that was kind of awkward. Um, as far as that backfield goes, I think it's Adrian Peterson is, is the back to own for redraft. 
Uh, I think he's going to get the ball. Uh, he's going to be the first and second down guy. Uh, wouldn't surprise me to see Peyton Barber mix in. Uh, Peyton Barber to do some passing stuff. You know, I, I have reservations about Antonio Gibson uh, and all of his 33 college c- carries uh, translating quickly to the NFL. Yeah, I, when I was, uh, you know, I did a quick uh, breaking news piece for for our uh, website. I think Gibson has a better shot at filling in kind of that Chris Thompson role. Um, you know, Thompson had 42 receptions last year. I tend to agree with Dennis. I think Adrian Peterson probably the best bet. Barber, you know, seems to just always come up there and be a fantasy dream crusher. But the one – what I'm holding out a slim hope for is Bryce Love. Um, you know, if he's healthy and, and gets a shot, he was really great for a while there in college. Obviously, injuries derailed him. He was somebody that after they took Gibson with, you know, potentially guys coming back, it it seemed like he might be a kind of a casualty, you know, a draft casualty. But now things a little more unsettled. Adrian Peterson's not a long-term solution, no matter what. He might be the guy again in 2020, but, you know, he's getting up there. I don't think Peyton Barber's a long-term solution. They took love. They've been willing to hold on to him and see what happens. Hopefully he gets at least an opportunity. Maybe we'll see um, what he can do. I tend to probably agree with Dennis too. There's a potential, depending on how the, the chargers and everything play out, if Geis ends up getting convicted, it could end up being a 10-year prison sentence, in which case he, he's never coming back. We've seen some people get a chance, but we've also seen some not. It seems like people who have produced at some point at an elite level in uh, the NFL have tended to get more of a chance. You know, We've seen that with Tyreek Hill. Uh, we've seen that even Kareem Hunt had produced at a pretty elite level, uh, You know, managed to come back, kind of got those charges dismissed. Geis never quite hit on his draft position or, or capital. Saw some flashes of it, always an injury risk. You know, we've seen other guys like Ray Rice never got another chance to come back. Uh, so it's, I, I think it's way too soon to decide where we think Geis is going to fall in terms of long term just because. Um, you know, we have to see how these charges and everything play out. Yeah, my, my great outfield. My concern with uh, go ahead, Dennis. With Gibson is that so Gibson's going to get a shot, but I think at this point, the defense will be able to to know if Gibson's in there, he's running a he's he's going to run a route. He's not not going to block. That's going to be the part he has to to figure out. And so I think that's where you're going to see Barber. That's where uh, I, I love the Bryce Love take. I think if anybody is going to unseat Adrian Peterson in that group right now, it's Bryce Love. And if Love has any kind of dynamic uh, movement, uh, I, I think he could be he he could end up becoming the early down back. I don't think he's got the. I don't think he'll hold up four or five seasons carrying the ball like that because he, he, you know, he's only a couple hundred pounds, but if he can, uh, you know, if he can come back and give them a good inside runner uh, for, you know, the next couple of years while they, they figure it out. I, I, I like the Bryce love move. 
Yeah, so for me, I'm I'm kind of with Matt here. I'm not sure Geis gets another shot. I mean, obviously, I loved him coming out of college. I thought that he was just a small step down from Barkley. I had him number two uh, when they came out. And, and, yeah, he's looked good at times, but he really hasn't proved that he's elite on the field. And as you guys mentioned, like those elite talent, they continue to get more and more chances. But we've also seen – the more and more stuff you've caused off-field has lessened your chances. Like Antonio Brown is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's really not got another chance. It doesn't seem like he's going to. And the one thing I'll say with guys, I remember back in the, a lot of the talking why he fell into the second round with Washington is because of what he did in his interviews. There's a lot of talk about the things he was already doing off, off, uh, off the field uh, with stuff in college. I, I could honestly see, as much as I'd hate for that to happen, it's a weird situation, obviously, with everything going on, but I, I honestly could see him not getting another chance. As for the Redskins' backfield, I do think it's mostly going to be Peterson Barber. Uh, I like Antonio Gibson, too, but the one thing I'll say is he only got 77 carries in college for a reason. If he was that dynamic and that good of a runner, the college coaches would have given him the ball more. Like, he's a dynamic weapon. I don't think he's going to be a, a really good running back. I think uh, what, Dennis, you just said, them moving him out and running uh, routes out of the backfield, I do think will happen. But I think for the most part, when they're actually wanting the guys to run the ball, it's going to be between uh, Barber and Peterson. I think they'll just switch out, uh, do whatever. Gibson's going to be mostly, as Matt said, in that Chris Thompson role is kind of the way I see it as well. I, I don't see him getting a whole lot of carries. He'll get some, uh, but I don't expect him to be anywhere near the top of leading that backfield. I think that's mostly going to be split uh, between Peterson and Barber. So I would avoid that backfield at all costs if you can in, in fantasy football. That's not a not a backfield I'm wanting to attack. You know what's unbelievable to me the most, though, I will say about the whole Gibson thing? We've seen some incredible trades go down. I mean, I, we, they, if you've watched Twitter, people have been posting. One guy bought Gibson for two firsts, a 2021 first and a 2022 first. If you have Gibson, this might be the time to sell. You are like at the zenith of value because some people think he's just going to be an RB1, that he's going to be what they thought the dream version of Geist was going to be. I just don't – I don't know that he ever gets that. He may not even get the receiving role. That, we keep forgetting they have J.D. McKissick, who they paid, who caught 30, 40 balls for Detroit last year. So if, if you have Gibson, I have him in a few places. I was almost thinking about shopping him. I would. I, I – I have a feeling that, um, you know, given I'm in 20-ish leagues, uh, I don't think I play with anybody that would willingly give two first-round picks for Antonio Gibson right now. I, yeah, I, not, I, not the leagues we play in, but there are leagues that you know. Like, in, and I, get, I can almost guarantee you because I was, I was talking to my home league uh, where we're scheduling our draft for a couple weeks, our home redraft uh, league, work league. I guarantee you Antonio Gibson's going in like the top five rounds because someone in there who doesn't pay close enough attention is is going to think that he's going to be the lead back. So there are those leagues where the people are going to be. Yeah, I agree. The leagues we play in, if we offer someone Antonio Gibson for even a first-round pick, we're going to get laughed out of the room. So, yeah, it's, it's more yeah, – in, in the listener league, Gibson went mid-10th. Mid-10th. So, Bernie, why don't you let your friends listen to the podcast? You know, we could about. use the subscriptions, which, you know what? It's fair, though. They don't know what I'm talking about, because in this league specifically, I won 
three out of four years, but then last year I shit the bed big time. Again, buying a lot into this team right behind me, and I was doing a lot of trash talking because I I got cocky last year or the year before, and I decided to stop paying attention to the waiver wire. Odell got hurt, and the, the dude I went to the championship game against picked up the five best receivers off the waiver wire um, because he knew that I needed a wide receiver when Odell got hurt and I wasn't paying attention. And I was like, I'm going to win it. I don't even care. And then I ended up losing by 0.5 points because Tim motherfucking Patrick couldn't catch or no 0.3 points. I'm sorry. Tim motherfucking Patrick couldn't catch one pass from, I don't even remember. I think it was Case Keenum uh, for the Broncos a couple years ago. Oh my God. I was losing my ever loving mind on that. I think it was, if it was last year. It was probably Brandon Allen. No, it was two and years also- ago. It was before Mrs. Bennett. Uh, Mrs. Bennett. That wasn't Dennis. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was a bad night in the Bruning household for that one. I can't remember. It was like a Sunday or Monday night game. It was the last one of the season. I think they were playing the Raiders or something like that. And I thought oh, he yes. had, that I was thought Keenum. Had Patrick went right over the middle. I saw Case Keenum fire the ball. I was like, "That's three Pete, baby!" And then it gets intercepted right before it gets to Tim Patrick. I, I threw shit. I was cursing. Text messages. You know, were I think I think days. Denver uh, knocked me out of a couple of championships in that game too, but maybe was, not for Patrick. It might have been for somebody else. Well, but I didn't want to rely on Tim Patrick, but that was all I had because I didn't pick up Robbie Anderson. There was like five guys, and all of them, of course, went off for like fifteen plus points. And I was like, if I'd have just paid attention, but no, I got cocky. I just thought I was going to win it. But anyways. We've got some other news we got to talk about real quick before we get into the AFC breakdown. So, Lamar Miller just signed with the pa- uh, Pats. I don't know. Uh, the Patriots. Uh, I, I don't care. I, I think, if anybody, I'm still kind of leaning on Damian Harris because of the value you can get him in drafts. Not that big on Michelle. James White is actually another guy. I grabbed him in our redraft league. I think he can still get uh, a lot of points if they use him kind of like they use CMC in Carolina with Newton. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Miller and the Patriots' backfield? I think he's he's a depth play. He's he could come in and push for playing time, but I feel like he's a security blanket. In, in the in COVID time, teams are looking for those consummate professionals that they know we can give this guy twenty plays, and we know he's not going to screw any of them up. And I think Lamar Miller is that guy. Uh, for the most part, if Michelle is out, and maybe this portends that Michelle isn't uh, as healthy as we think, and frankly, most of us don't think he's that healthy, uh, and maybe there's a little bit of question about Damian Harris, but they've got other guys. You know, with, with White, they also got uh, – oh, Jeff Thomas is a wide receiver. It seems like J.J. Taylor's the guy I'm thinking of uh, that could slide into that pass-catching role if need be. Um, you know, White ran the ball effectively in in college, and so if he were to get a few more carries this year, uh, I don't think it would necessarily hurt the Patriots. But uh, I again, I I got I don't know I think three shares of Lamar Miller across about twenty teams, and my hope is that uh, Sony's out the first three or four weeks, and Lamar comes in and has you know some. 10, 12-point weeks, and I can move him for a third-round pick. It's been two full seasons, right, since Lamar Miller played. Didn't he tear his ACL right before 18? Yeah, I think it was the preseason, yeah. 
And then, of course, right before 19 when he was coming back, I just don't – I'd be curious to see how much he even has left. I, I wouldn't – part of me wouldn't be shocked if he ends up getting released before they uh, – you know, when they come down to the final 53 too. Well, the Patriots, you know, we talked about Washington's backfield sometimes being a well of sadness uh, as we're looking at 2020. The Patriots uh, have been a well of sadness and unpredictability for a long time. Adding Miller to the mix, you know, who knows? Is it, a, you know, they still have Burkhead. They still have James White. Michelle, you're right, could be more injured than they than they think. I, I think the most surprising thing about Miller being signed me is a that it was the Patriots who had a, a million players opt out, but running back didn't seem to be the most pressing need, and b that he ended up being signed before Devonta Freeman. Um, you know, I think I think I find both those things surprising. At one point in time, you know, Miller was a pretty decent prospect. Uh, Bill would have seen him a lot when he was with the Dolphins, so you know they must see something that they like in there. Um, it's going to be interesting what their offense is kind of, you know, in general, that's when one of the bigger questions uh, during the preseason, I don't think it got any clearer by them signing a fifth running back. Yeah. Uh, kind of like, whoops, kind of like Washington. I'm just avoiding that backfield altogether. If I possibly can, I like I said, I like Damian Harris just based on the value you can get him in drafts. Uh, obviously was good at Alabama, and I could easily sit and see him getting a lot of run, and then James White for PPR formats as well. As you can still get him pretty low. Uh, the last little bit of news, kind of what my tagline there is about uh, college football. So there was a report earlier today that Big Ten was going to cancel. Now everybody's coming out saying that's not necessarily happening, not saying it won't happen, but that report is false. Uh, I'm honestly kind of torn on this. Uh, you know, it's – Someone who's played competitive sports for all my life and never obviously played any college football or anything. I kind of want, I, I side with the players. They all want to play. I think they're making a lot of good points and some of the stuff that Lawrence and Fields have talked about. And hey, you know, it's safer for us to be here on campus with the testing and the protocols and for us to play than to go back home and be home in places where you have people who don't follow protocols, don't wear masks. You're putting us in more danger if you send us back home. You know, they, they put, built bye weeks into the schedule as it is now to kind of help with that stuff. I mean, the one thing I'll point to is, because, again, I'm a huge baseball fan, look at how bad MLB looked like not e just a week ago, and now everything's on track. Yeah, they've had a couple bumps in the road, but they've still been able to play their season. They had right, a little bit less than half, or about half, a little bit more than half of a, of a college roster, obviously. But still, you you – they're going to be completely different. They're not going to travel as much as baseball teams are. Baseball teams are traveling every three days. You're not going to get that with college football. I, I, If the players really want to play that bad, I think they should. I understand the other side of the argument that they're 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids who may not necessarily be looking down the road, and we don't know exactly everything that could and the complications that come with this virus. But uh, I think it, with, with all them making the stands that they have that they want to play, I think they should try – and do everything they can to let them play before they just cancel the season. So that is my thoughts on college football. Don't know if it's going to happen or not. I did just see a, a message as we were talking that the ACC and SEC have both come out and said that we are absolutely playing. So I guess they don't really care what the Big Ten does or Pac-12, which I'm fine with. But uh, that I, I'm interested, I guess, to hear your guys' thoughts on it because I may be a little too close to this because this is something that I love college football like – 
I was thinking about it. I was actually talking to my wife the other day. Dennis will understand this. Is he's he's the editor in chief over there at Dynasty Nerds, and I was I, I was looking at some stuff, and I was like, well, I'm gonna have nothing to do now for like the next five months because if college football's done, I've got nothing to write about, no film to watch because I'll just watch the Browns games. I don't care about anything else. So I obviously, for that selfishly reason, would like it not to be canceled as well. But what are your guys' thoughts? Well, I agree that. It's good that they want to play, but part of the university side, from what I've heard, is the university is saying to the players, hey, well, if you play, sign this waiver that removes any liability from us. If you catch COVID, if you have any long-term damage, because we're saying you shouldn't play. I, I accept that if you bring the players together and you isolate them on campus, that the Potential for some of them is mitigated. Part of that potential is mitigated uh, because if they're at home, they don't make good decisions. They they go out, they hang out, they they, you know, which is kind of got. It's been the issue since March is that people are making those types of decisions. I, I think if you're if you're a 19 year old student. Who, who was told in June, hey, if you want to have a season, you need to make sure you're isolating, and you haven't been coming on campus and being told, hey, you need to isolate. They're not going to isolate when they get on campus either. I, I kind of struggle with the weighing, well, if they're not having classes on campus, then I don't know that they should have football on campus. As of right now, I know Ohio State is having classes, but they're taking buildings that were not historically classrooms, and they're putting classes in them to shrink the size of the classes in the bigger spaces so that they can distance. Um, and they, they have a, a mask mandate. Uh, from a fan perspective, of course, I see them play. From a fan football analyst perspective, of course I want to see them play. From a health perspective, you know, I don't want them to get ill. I don't want them to you – know, the big arms that, that I've seen is these are people you're not going to get it. They're young. They're healthy. Correct. Most, but they they, they – and they may give it to other people ready for. So for me, I don't know. You know, I don't have a vote in it, so I have to watch it. You know, I think where I'm at, I think why you're seeing so many of the, these uh, players, uh, you know, pushing to want to play uh, is – the idea that if they move the season to the spring, you know, I think a lot of these big athletes are going to end up having to opt out because they're looking at the NFL draft. They're looking at their future from a purely, you know, they may even still want to play, but it, let's say they move a season doesn't start till mid February. doesn't end until like the end of May. The NFL has been pretty clear that they don't intend to move their draft process or their timing. So those guys that want to be in the draft, you know, the draft is typically at the end of April. So you, you know, NFL teams don't really want to draft you and then see you out there in high risk games. And even if they could 
play and then move straight to their NFL team, you're talking about going straight through with no break into a very high level competitive football situation. So I think the, a lot of these guys, especially the big names you've seen kind of coming out saying, Hey, we want to play. They want, they came back for this year because they want that college championship. They want the, the, that elite experience and the carrot of potentially, well, we're just going to delay the season that I think will impact and, the product and what we see a lot more than letting it play. I, but it's hard, you know, I understand all the health and safety concerns. Um, you know, it's, I hope they get to play. I hope we get to see them. I hope we get to see some of these guys, especially some of these guys who had a chance to go to the draft and elected to stay. Like I think about it, like a Travis ATN, you know, he came back cause he wanted to do another run with, Trevor Lawrence and try try to make a championship. You move the season to March. They're you know they're done. And then for those guys, they're probably also thinking that's a huge layoff before you go into competitive professional football too. From having no competition, it's kind of just a weird situation. It's similar to what's what their counterparts for men's and women's college basketball have had to deal with with having their kind of tournament wiped out and, you know, who knows when the NBA draft or any of that's going to go forward. I think college, these college guys, they want to get out there, they want to compete, and then they want to have, you know, stay on schedule and have their chance. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's what I said. The health, the health thing is probably the biggest one. I did see like Najee Harris and a bunch of those guys come out and said that they would would be willing to sign a, a waiver to play. Najee Harris is another one. Uh, that you uh, mentioned that came back uh, senior year, like ETN Chuba Hubbard as well. Like it's the spring. I mean, I, I would almost argue too for college, like you're going to kind of screw a lot of the athletes next year as well, because even if those guys, like you got the Justin Fields, ETNs, Harris, Lawrence, all those first probably guys who have first, maybe even through third round grades are likely not going to play spring because they're going to have to get ready. Like, like you just mentioned, they start in February. You got the combine. They're going to have to miss if they do that draft. And then you're going right into an NFL season. They're likely going to all have to opt out and just train for the combine and workouts and all that stuff. So you are going to get guys who get a chance now to prove themselves. Maybe those other seniors or guys that have lower draft capital come out, ball out. Journey Brown's one that I was thinking of off the top of my head. Really good end of the year last year with Penn State. You know, he may not opt out if that happens and stay and play and look good for Penn State would up his draft capital some. But then those same college players, you're talking about a spring season, which ends in maybe May. And then all of a sudden you have to turn around and that's when when spring practices start. And then you're going to have to go right into another fall season. So it's going to be the same thing for college players, not just the guys going into the NFL. So I think that's why they're probably leaning more toward canceling it. Obviously, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not smart enough to make that decision. I'm going to be honest. I'm glad I'm not in the room having to vote to make that decision because it's not an easy decision regardless. You could be, you know, just like high school sports. I was talking to a guy who coaches his daughter uh, plays on the softball team, and they're talking about not being able to even do that this year for high school. And she's a senior, and we saw that last year as well. A lot of seniors not getting to play their final year. It's it's hard all around, so, you know, I guess – Hopefully they'll make the best decision around again. I just wanted to say that it has not been canceled. I saw all that all over the place this morning. They did come out and refute that just a little bit ago. So we were supposed to talk about the AFC South about like 25 minutes ago. So let's start doing that now. We've got the Indianapolis Colts, Mr. Tony Dyer's team on the docket for today. So they finished 7-9 and nine last year. What odds would you guys give Philip Rivers taking the Colts to the promised land in 2020? 
I assume by promised land you mean Super Bowl. I do, yes. I have a one out of 16 shot in getting there, you know. Uh, I don't set, I don't really set odds. So, uh, I mean, it's possible they have a strong offensive line. They're going to run the ball. Uh, if they're, you know, if T.Y. Hilton stays healthy, you know, Darius Leonard leads a, a, a pretty good defense. Uh, they traded for. Let's see, did they? They traded for Armstead, or did they trade for Buckner? I keep always Brenson Buckner. So, Buckner, yeah. So they've they've got some some beef on both sides of the the line there. Um, I I feel like their division, you know, Jacksonville is probably not going to be in it. You know, Houston Houston could go either way. That Houston it. it we could see the coming out of Deshaun Watson and he could put that team on his back and, and will them uh, deep into the playoffs. Um, but who's, who's the fourth team, Indianapolis, Houston, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Tennis, oh, Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. So I could see Tennessee and Indianapolis being kind of the same type of team grinded out, Behind strong offensive lines, uh, shorten the game, running it. It's a it's a very. You know, if I had to pick one, I'm probably going to go with Tennessee. Um, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me for them to win the division and and go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Colts are, are a decent team. I think they have a decent shot at the playoffs. Uh, you know. I, they are not a team, even with Rivers, that I, I think has a huge chance of going into the Super Bowl. I think there's better teams in the AFC. I actually like the Titans better in that division. Um, but, you know, we've seen Rivers be pretty competitive not that long ago in the 2018 season with the Chargers. They were 12-4 and four, tied for the best record in the AFC. Um, they have some good talent there, but to me they have a lot of younger players, uh, and I think it's going to take more than – one scattered off season to get the rookies and all the new people up to speed and really thrive. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing because he's only signed for one year. So the new additions for the Colts this year, Rivers uh, gets the one-year deal. They traded for DeForest Buckner, as you guys just mentioned, for first-round pick, which I thought was a great trade at the time that it happened. Uh, Trey Burton signed with a one-year contract. They drafted Michael Pittman in the second-round wide receiver. They traded up into the second round for another pick to get Jonathan Taylor. They took Jacob Eason in the fourth and then Desmond Patton in the sixth. Their losses this offseason, main uh, offensive ones, Eric Ebron and Devin Funches. Some would argue that's addition by subtraction there. And expiring contracts after this season, Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton, Trey Burton, Marlon Mack, and Zach Pascal. Fantasy finishes. Jacoby Brissett, who was their quarterback last year, finishes QB 24 with 22.68 points. Phillip Rivers with the Chargers, QB 15, 255.5. Marla Mack, RB 22 with 181.3 points. Hines, RB 42 with 117.9. T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 57 with 125 points. Zach Pascal, wide receiver 52 with 153.3. And then Jack Doyle, tight end 15 with 111.8 points. A lot better year than I expected for Jack Doyle. I made sure to do PPR scoring. 
this time. So we did not get messed up like last week. How much do you guys trust Rivers to bounce back? We've seen him really up until last year have a fairly good fantasy seasons last year. Uh, he was throwing uh, interceptions like nobody's business. So how much do you guys trust him to bounce back in 2020? You know, he's a heady player. Uh, his arm's not what it used to be. He typically makes good decisions if he gets uh, if he's not too heavily pressured. Uh, he doesn't take a ton of chances, uh, which, given the number of interceptions he had last year, uh, uh, might not bode well. It it could have been a foreshadowing uh, of what it's going to look like the rest of the way for Philip Rivers. Uh, but I think Reich is going to do what he can to minimize that with that running game and by having a really strong offensive line. He's going to have a good safety blanket in, in Jack Doyle. And uh, he'll have Paris Campbell uh, available for short routes. So I, I feel like it's going to be a lot of uh, short to intermediate routes in the passing game, which is going to play to River's strength, make a quick decision, get the ball out. So long as his vision is fine and, and he can see the defense, read the defense, uh, I would I would be comfortable uh, with him having a bounce back. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of ranking QB fifteen last year, middle middle of the pack QB two is is about what I expect for a fantasy finish. I think the big thing for him is going to be uh, cutting down on the turnovers. I think that was a, one of the in terms of yards and touchdowns and things, he didn't fall off that much from, from what we'd seen in previous years, but he just seemed so turnover prone at times. And I don't know if that was a product of the, the team just not gelling or the plays, or uh, sometimes it didn't seem like they had the greatest protection, um, which you would think the Colts, one thing they definitely invested in is really building up their offensive line. They could end up having a better power running game too, which would take some pressure off him. Um, they have a decent set of weapons. I would actually say he probably had better wide receivers and a better tight end with the Chargers. But, uh, you know, they have a good overall group. I think it's just going to be focusing on tamping down the turnovers. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, obviously, I say bounce back season yet. For fantasy, at least, he still finishes QB 15, which is not bad. That's a middle-of-the-road QB 2, or actually kind of almost to a high-end QB 2. Uh, I expect him to turn down on the turnovers just based on what you just said there. With uh, I do think they will focus on running the ball more. If you guys listened to the Debbie Delight episode we talked about, I'm big on Jonathan Taylor this year. Obviously, we've talked about it many times. I am very high when we talked about our running back ranks as well. I do think they're going to understatement if you listen to the Debbie Delight. And Don Taylor is going to be huge this year. All right, so over under. He's going to be the best best RB2 on his team. No, he's going to be the best starter on his team. Over under games that Mac is the starter five, I am going under. What about you guys? I'm going to take the under, but I can easily see a scenario where Frank Reich keeps deferring, uh, even though – Taylor outperforms him. Uh, I, you know, there's that veteran deference they do a lot of times in the NFL. You know, Mac may start, but Taylor gets 67% of the carries kind of approach there. 
Yeah, I guess that's the thing you have to watch in the NFL too. You know, the technique, it's not quite like the NBA where, you know, being the starter means something in terms of minutes and playing time usually. there. You know, it was interesting that even if, you look at some of the guys who are key contributors. Like I think if you look at Mark Andrews, it only it lists him as a starting tight end like three times last year, even though he is their tight end. So, you know, on paper maybe Matt gets higher than, than five, but I think in terms of being the lead lead dog, I'm going the under. What's up, Detroit Beastie? Thanks for checking in. Um, yeah, um, Jonathan Taylor's going to smash this year. I'm not even worried about it. Uh, let's see here. What was my next question? Uh, how good can Taylor be? I mean, we're rookie of the year easily. I think it's in the bag. I don't even think he has to walk onto the field and he's going to win that one. But uh, seriously, how good are you guys expecting him to be this year and then moving forward? Well, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, uh, let's see. Marlon Mack had 247 carries last season, 52 for Naeem Hines. Uh, if, if we believe the uh, Colts are going to run the ball more to help protect Phillip Rivers, I think that 250 carries could, is likely Jonathan Taylor's floor. Uh, it'll come down to whether or not he cuts into Naeem Hines' 58 targets uh, that's really uh, where he'll have to make his hay or he could end up like uh, Nick Chubb with 275 carries, but virtually a zero in the pass game. Uh, I feel like Mac or not Mac uh, Taylor. We don't know if he's a, if he can catch the ball, we keep hearing them say yes, even though historically we, we haven't seen it. He caught 26 passes, I think as a senior, uh, which was, I think that doubled his career up to that point. Actually, I think he was a junior. Uh, but it, that was his best receiving year in college. He could come out and be quite a good uh, pass-catching back, a la uh, he who shall not be named out of Wisconsin. So it, if that's the case, you know, he could easily dominate both the running and the passing uh, in Indianapolis and, and – uh, Push for probably seventeen hundred all-purpose yards. Yeah, uh, when I went and read, I have him ranked nineteenth uh, for the for the year. I think I, I feel comfortable that he could be a solid RB two. I'm not ready to go up to the RB one like uh, like you are uh, quite yet, but you know. I think he's definitely got talent and opportunity. They went up and got him in the second round for a reason. And I, you know, I think he could have a, a really good season despite not getting a lot of the standard prep that we've seen for uh, rookies and classes in years before. Yeah. Uh, running back is one of the easiest positions to transition into in the NFL. And they traded up to get him because they don't have a good running back on their roster. That's, that's why they traded up to get him. Is high well, I, mean, I had him at, at RB 22. Because I feel like they're going to force the issue with Marlon Mack. Uh, I won't be the least bit surprised if they don't, if Taylor just comes out and very quickly overtakes Mack and dominates those carries. But what they're saying is, is that that's not going to happen. And I know that it's camp speaking. You know, we have to, we have to figure out how much are we going to weigh camp speak. You know, they did pass on Taylor in the second round before they traded up to get him. Uh, 
So, I mean, I, I know it's great. We want to talk about them trading up to get him, but they did pass on him as well. If, if they wanted, yeah, they did. They, cause they took the guy they wanted more. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you on that, but I'll say this. The Colts are looking to win this year. That's why they brought in Phillip Rivers. I, I wouldn't say that why his name is not Ursay. Who's the coach? I know Ursay's the owner. I can't get the Frank Reich. Frank Reich. I don't want to say he's on the hot seat, but I do think that he kind of needs to win now. Jonathan Taylor, whatever you guys want to think about Marlon Mack. I've never been a big Marlon Mack guy, but I think even the most ardent Marlon Mack supporter can say that Jonathan Taylor is heads above Marlon Mack as a running back prospect and player. I feel like that was directed right at me. Not at all. I'm just saying, like, you could easily say Jonathan Taylor is the better back. I Like I said before, and I think I mentioned it on the podcast with the Debbie Delight, I do think Marlon Mack starts the year, but Jonathan Taylor is just too damn good, especially behind that offensive line. Like, Look at what he did at Wisconsin behind that offensive line, and the Colts' offensive line is even better. I understand it's in the NFL, faster faster defenders, everything. Jonathan Taylor is a phenomenal prospect. I think he's going to, to be lights out this year. So you guys both kind of talked a little bit about Hines, and Taylor would need to get some of that receiving work to really kind of vault up in PPR rankings. So is Hines even rosterable in in – I would say redraft leagues. I mean, dynasty leagues, you likely have them just because of how deep it is. But in redraft leagues, is Hines a guy that you would take a shot on at the in the late rounds? So a redraft roster is what? 20 players starting 10 or 11? Yeah, probably roughly. if you're doing start draft, like 18 to 20 rounds, give or take, depending on how, I guess, how deep you have it. So, I mean, it, when, when you're getting back there at, at 19 or – 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, yeah, he's rosterable. Um, you you got to take a shot somewhere. And part of the thinking around Naheem Hines is that he's the passing back there. Uh, we, we could very well see Taylor step up and be a good pass catcher. But we could also see them say, hey, look, we just want you to – you just worry about running the ball this year. We know you can run the ball. We'll sort of ease into that. We know we've got this guy that knows all of the blitz pickups, that that knows all of the routes, that isn't going to miss anything in the passing game. And so we'll just let him get his what did he what I say he had last year, 58 targets. We'll let him get his 58 60 62 targets. You just worry about running the ball and, and pounding it into the end zone when we call on you. Yeah, I think rosterable worth taking a shot. Yeah. Uh, the big thing is not having preseason, we won't even get a feel for how some of these offenses are going to lay out and work. Uh, and this is a, one of the areas we had a lot of questions. I think Dennis did really hit on something. The biggest concern usually for rookie running backs is not them being able to run the ball. It's being them being able to pick up and pass protection. And when you have like a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, you don't want to see him get taken out because the rookie running back got confused and missed the blitzer. So they have Mac and they have Hines that can fill in there. In turn, you know, we've seen Rivers in the past in offensive systems, including one that Frank Reich ran when he was there with the Chargers you know, utilizing a pass catching back. Some of the questions we've had this off season is, is that necessarily going to be a back? Does that end up being kind of 
you know, could that end up being a Paris Campbell or something? We still don't know. So at this point in time, you know, when you're at the end of your draft, we have less information than we've had in years past about what these teams are going to do in potential roles. Everyone's worth, worth a shot if you think that they could see the field and see production. So Hilton was obviously hurt a little bit last year. And uh, I mean, he's obviously been good regardless of who he's playing with Brissett, Andrew Luck, when Luck got hurt, any other backup quarterbacks. Can we, or do you guys expect him to possibly bounce back to that wide receiver too now with Rivers there? And I will say having a guy like Michael Pittman, who easily probably in the last four or five years has been the best wide receiver opposite of him in this offense. For Hilton, it comes down to durability. You know, he's five foot ten, 183 pounds. Uh, he's going to be 31 years old at his next birthday. Uh, he only played 10 games last year. He, he's going to be one of those guys that shows it from time to time, I think, going forward. What the Colts need is they need Paris Hilton to show that burst and that dynamism coming from the slot. They need Michael Pittman to be that big guy on the outside. Um, you know, Zach Pascal is going to be in there, but he's not somebody that – he had 72 targets last season. I don't know that Pascal is a guy that you want to be getting 72 targets. Uh, actually, it looks like he tied with Jack Doyle for the team lead in targets last year. So – if if you're if Zach Pascal is your leading you in targets, uh, there's definitely some opportunity for improvement. Yeah, I I had Hilton ranked just inside wide receiver two territory. I expect he's gonna bounce back there. I think he will uh, have a good year. And as Dennis said, his biggest enemy has been being able to stay on the field and available. Uh, so you just mentioned Pascal and how many targets he got uh, last year. So for you guys, in in we'll just go redraft right now, focusing on that part of the fantasy game. Pittman or Pascal this year? And then if you choose Pittman, what do you expect out of him this year? So T.Y. had 68 targets in 10 games. So if we give him another – let's say he would have played the whole season – he would have had right around 100 targets. I think I, I think that T.Y. has 100 target ceiling, 105 target ceiling uh, as we get older and as guys step up. So I don't think 80 targets is out of the question for Pittman, especially once he starts making plays. Uh, we know that Rivers didn't have any issue throwing up the uh, go get em balls to Mike Williams. And Pittman, that's the role Pittman is going to play. So 80 targets, I think, is a comfortable floor for Michael Pittman. Yeah, I agree. I'm taking Pittman. I, I think Pascal ended up working in there because they had so many injuries. You know, Campbell got injured. Hilton got injured. Uh, there's some Funches got knocked out with a broken leg. They just did not – they couldn't keep people on the field. And I agree with Dennis. 70 to 80 targets is where I would probably set comfortably for Michael Pittman. Yeah, and just mentioning the Mike Williams role that Dennis did, I mean, if you haven't seen any tape on uh, Pittman, the way that dude can go up and win contested catches, my God, he's going to be impressive if that's what Rivers ends up throwing uh, throwing uh, to him this, way, this year. So 
Do you guys think Doyle has a possibility? Or I know, I know, I already know what Dennis is going to say. It's in the range of outcomes, and as we all talk about on the tight ends, anyone after like five is, is I guess, technically could easily make it up here because none of us seem to believe in tight and anybody outside the top five tight ends. So I guess, what would you guys cap the percentage at of Doyle finishing as a top twelve tight end this year? He's got at least a 50-50 shot. I mean, I got him ranked at 17. Uh, if he pulls in, you know, 70 targets, he, he honestly, it depends on where, where the comfort level immediately lands with Rivers. If Rivers and Doyle click, you could, you could see uh, Doyle with a – he could lead the team in targets with 110 or 120 targets. You know, he, he could catch 80 passes for 740 yards and, and six touchdowns. Uh, I, I like Doyle. I think he's going to be uh, a reasonable tight end. I think probably his ceiling, though, is, is right around the tight end one, tight end two split. T- tight end 12 or 13 is probably the ceiling for him. Yeah, I'd admit tight end 11, I, you know, I have pretty good confidence. I'd say 70, 75% that he finishes in that tight end one range. And, you know, I'd go higher except for tight end just seems like such a fungible and volatile position. Um, you know, we've seen it in the past. Ebron's gone. Uh, I don't really see Trey Burton cutting into his uh, attempts right now. We've seen Rivers pretty steadily using the tight end throughout his career, whether it's Gates or Hunter Henry or a combination of the two. I think Doyle's in line for a good season. Don't All sleep right. on Cox there at the tight end position. You know, he played basketball. <laughs> Matt loves when we give those uh, qualifications there. All right, so over under for the Colts. Phillip Rivers, QB 23, over or under? I will go under. I will also go under. I am under as well. I have him at QB 18. All right. He's got an ADP of 238.33. His QB 35 off the board just ahead of him, which I forgot to mention this last time. This was brought to my attention by some listeners. We did mess this up last Monday. On number four is afters. This is based on what you would do dynasty drafting wise, not redraft. We all handled this redraft last week, or at least apparently no, you guys handled it. I me kept Dennis saying did. dynasty. It was pointed out to me by some people. So I apologize about that. We will handle this as dynasties. So for dynasty drafts in the before him right now, Winston, Jordan Love, and Marcus Mariota, would you take any or would take him over any of those three? Uh, I'll let you guys go first. Um, I'd probably, I'd probably take him over Jordan Love. I'm not sold there. Uh, I'm taking Winston over Rivers because at at that point you're drafting so late. Um, I probably already have two two quarterbacks, unless I waited really, really, really long. Um, Jordan Love. Who who was the other guy? Love Martin. Yeah, I'm probably I'm taking Rivers over Mariota. I think his shoulder is shot. I'm definitely going over Mariota because it's no lock he gets a, another chance, uh, and I would probably take him over Love as well, just because there's a lot of uncertainty about how long a wait that's going to be. You know, does it ever turn any? Look at what happened with Jimmy G behind Brady. It took a re- 
really long time to ever come out. So, you know, I'd take the more urgency. Winston, I would still take ahead of him just because I think he has a clearer shot to get a, a relevant second opportunity before then. And like Dennis said, in that range, you should hopefully have your starting quarterback and a backup already. Yeah, so that's what I'll give the caveat on. I'm, you know, most of the leagues that I play in now are super flex. So if I really punted QB stupidly, uh, I would take Rivers over all three if I really needed that second QB or if I still was looking for a bench QB in single QB formats. Outside of that, I think I'm taking Winston and Love over Rivers. I agree that Love, it could take five years. You know, it could, we could not see. It could be it, like we've talked about before when this happened, a Rodgers far of situation where we don't see him for four or five years, but he likely is still going to get a shot in four or five years. I would think it's realistic. Rivers has two years at best. Uh, so give me the guy who likely has a shot later in the NFL. And that's why I would also take Winston. Cause I do agree with you guys on that. Uh, just after him, Jared Stidham and Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I'm probably not taking either one of them over rivers there. I, I don't think either one has a, a long shot here in the NFL. What about you guys? No, not taking either. Dennis? Sorry, I had myself muted. Uh, I'm not taking them either. All right. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, RB15, I will go under. What about you guys? I I currently have him ranked at the over, so until I hear something definite about Marlon Mack – being pushed aside uh, until Frank Reich stops talking about Mac uh, being the starter. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to begrudgingly, I think, uh, keep him on the uh, over. I have a slight over. All right. So he is, uh, has an ADP of 16 right now, RB 11 off the board, just ahead of him, Jacobs, CEH and Chubb. I would take him over Jacobs and CEH. I, I think he's got long-term success over Jacobs, and he was my one coming out over CEH. I, I'm going to stick with that. So I'd still keep Chubb because he's showing it in the NFL more, and I just think Taylor's just a smidge better prospect than Jacobs, so I'd rather have him long-term. What about you guys? As of right now, I'm, you know, I think I've got Jacobs ranked higher, and so I would – take Jacobs over Taylor, but it's probably a coin flip. Uh, Like you, I also have Taylor over CEH, but uh, Nick Chubb's the man. Yeah, I'm taking him over CEH, and I agree it's probably a coin flip with Jacobs. I think I would lean Jacobs right now, but, you know, I want to see what Taylor can do. Uh, So just behind him, Derrick Henry, J.K. Dobbins, and Austin Eckler. I'm probably not taking any of these three unless it's like my ninth out of 10th team with Jonathan Taylor. And I just want to get myself a Dobbin share because I love that kid outside of that. I'm not taking Henry or Eckler over him. What about you guys? You know, I, I, it'd be a coin flip with Dobbins. Um, I'm, I'm not taking Eckler or Henry over him, Uh, but I'm pretty sold on Dobbins and, He's in a equally a friendly uh, rushing offense. And while there's a little more traffic in Baltimore, I don't think it's going to be there much longer. Uh, and despite uh, a couple untimely drops in the 
Clemson game, Dobbins is a pretty good receiver, and we know that. Yeah. I take Henry over. Interesting. Marlon Mack, RB30 in 2020, over or under. I will take the slight under. What about you guys? Yeah, I concur. Uh, I'm going to take the over. Interesting. I like it. Uh, he has an 80 of 138. He is RB49 off the board. Just ahead of him, Darrington Evans, Tony Pollard, and Anthony McFarlane. Would you take him over any of those three? Marlon Mack over Evans. I'm Evans. gonna take yeah. I'm gonna take Evans. Um that's probably no, I feel like Evans has has a clear role. I'm not as sold on McFarlane as most people. I, I, I feel like everybody watches the Ohio State game and extrapolates that into and writes everything else off as, oh, he was injured. Um, so I, I'm not as sold on McFarland, uh, and I'm not sold on Pollard. But uh, uh, at that point in the draft, you know, I'm taking Evans over, over Mac. Pollard and McFarland, probably not. I take him over all three. I think he's going to end up going to a different team and having a, a chance. I like that you said that because I was going to go the same route. I would take him over all three because I think he's going to get traded to the Washington football team here before the start of the season with their running back issues. And I didn't think he could do some good things with Washington if that were to happen. Just after him, Darrell Henderson, Joshua Kelly, and Tevin Coleman. Would you take any of those three over Mac? I would not, though Coleman would be close to, for me because I actually think he's going to get a lot more. I think it's going to be more of a 50-50 split with Mostert in San Francisco, but I would still more than likely take Mac over those three. What about you guys? You know, based on your last com comment, if you're taking Mac, you're taking him based on the expectation that he gets moved before the start of the season. So I suppose if, if that's what I believe, yeah. If not, I think Coleman is the one who's getting the bulk. Uh, between the two of them, Coleman's getting more touches than Mac. Um, I'm taking Kelly over him. Uh, I'm, I love Joshua Kelly. I think he's going to quickly establish uh, his role in that offense as the early down back and the goal line back. Um, Henderson, no. See, I think Mac might – I think Max is going to get moved, but it might be next year. That's why I, I don't. I don't know that necessarily. Done this year, he can't go next year. It's got to be this year. Well, it's got to be this year. He could, go, he could go to another team. Oh, you're talking about as a free agent. What yeah. I'm saying is, if we're drafting for dynasty, I don't think he's done. I I like his long term prospects. Maybe not 2020 prospects. Um, I would take Henderson of the ones underneath. T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 30 in 2020. I will take the slight under. What about you guys? Yeah, I got the slight under as well. Yeah, I had him at wide receiver 24, so I'm under. All right. ADP of 138. He, I'm sorry, ADP of 84. He is wide receiver 40 off the board. Just ahead of him, Miko Hardman, Deontay Johnson, and Christian Kirk. That's a hard one for me. I'll let you guys go first. Uh, I agree. I'm I'm taking him over Hardman. Um, 
I haven't so bought into Hardman as really much more than a uh, small Cordero Patterson. Um, I, I probably am taking Deontay Johnson just because of the youth and what looks like to be a clear wide receiver two on his team status. Uh, and then I'm probably taking Kirk as well because of the youth and the, the status on his team. Yeah, so this is the hard, you know, there's three guys right there that we just, we don't know what they're going to be or if they're ever necessarily going to be anything. I liked what I saw of Deontay Johnson last year, but who who really knows? Hardman, Sam. So I probably would take Hilton over all of them because I think Hilton's got a few years left and is going to be relevant on his team. Yeah, that's the way I'm leaning to him. And I know you guys know I'm not as big into the Deontay Johnson coming out party that everybody else seems to be. Even though Kirk looked good at times last year, I'm just not as sold with him in that offense with all the other guys that they've got now. I Obviously, being the big Hakeem Butler believer that I am and then bringing over a guy like Hopkins. Had Hopkins not been there, I think Kirk might be better. So I think I'm taking him over all three as well. Uh, just behind him, T. Higgins, Darius Slayton, and Akil Harry. This is an easy, though, Higgins and Slayton for me. Um, I would I would still probably take Hilton over Harry. What about you guys? Uh, I think I'm taking all three of them. I'm taking Higgins over him because I think he has a lot of potential where he's at. I'm not sold on Slayton or Harry, so I'd probably keep Hilton. Michael Pittman, wide receiver 25 in 2020, over or under? Over. Yeah, I'm going to take over, too. As am I, slight over. Uh, ADP of 89, wide receiver 45 off the board. Just ahead of him, Brandon Cooks, Nikhil Harry, and Darius Slayton. I would take him, honestly, over all three. I really do believe in Pittman's pro career long-term. Not expecting as much out of him this year as probably a Cooks and Slayton, uh, but I think long-term, I think Pittman's going to be an absolute stud. So I'd take him over all three. What about you guys? I'm probably taking Slayton. Uh, I could talk myself into Harry, depending on how many Pittman shares I already have, uh, but not Cooks. I'm taking him over all three. Just behind him, Denzel Mims, Mims, Brandon Ayuk, and LaVisca Chenault. Sticking to my rookie rankings, I had him above all three of those guys, so I would take him over all three of those guys. So did I. Me as well. All right, then. Jack Doyle, tight end 14 in 2020, over or under? I will go slight under. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, I have him under. I, I have him over. ADP of 194, he's a tight end 28 off the board. Just ahead of him, David Njoku, Dawson Knox, and Eric Ebron. Uh, would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him over all three. Yeah, me too. I'm going over all three. I just can't quit Dawson Knox, so I would take Knox, but that's it. Just I, I, just, I, I love Dawson Knox. It's just so sad. I don't see it, like a path where he's going to. I know. I know. They don't have the volume. They have a billion receivers. They have Singletary. I know, but I can't quit him. I just can't do it. I can't quit him. So I take knots. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, Just behind him, 
Gerald Everett, Adam Troutman, and Will Disley. I would not take any. Uh, Troutman would be close, actually. But outside of that coin flip, I, I wouldn't take uh, any of them over Doyle. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm taking Doyle. Yeah, me too. All right, so we've got like 25 minutes to knock out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Actually, should be doable because there's not much to talk about. Six and ten. Yeah, we only need five, guys. We only need five. <laughs> What would Minshew have to do for you guys to remain the starter in 2021 for the Jacksonville Jaguars? He's got to win enough games that the Jaguars can't draft Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, they, they probably have to be six and ten. Well, I mean, at six and ten. At so, six and ten, Marone's going to lose his job. Yeah, and, I think and the new, hard. the new, yeah, and so the new coach is going to want to probably bring in his own guy. Well, and at six and ten, you end up in the in about the range where they were drafting this year, and you know, pretty close to being able to get a top three quarterback. I think we think yeah. they're three or four good ones. So, you know, they're probably going for somebody else. Them clearing out Nick Foles was saying, "Hey, you can have your chance, or you can lead us to something better." Yeah, I agree. I, I honestly don't think they're going to be in the Lawrence sweepstakes unless they trade up. I think Minshew's going to do enough to win them games, but as Matt just mentioned there, you also have Brock Purdy, Justin Fields, possibly Trey Lance all coming out as well. All who could – I would easily say I'd probably take Fields or Lance over Minshew. Purdy would be kind of a push in my opinion, but it, it's going to be interesting what happens with the Jags this year for sure. Their new additions, they signed Tyler Eifert to a two-year contract, Chris Thompson to a one-year contract, and drafted uh, the versatile weapon LaVisca Chenault in the second round. Their losses uh, were Marquise Lee and Nick Foles. Their expiring contracts after this year, Leonard Fournette because they declined his fifth-year option, Keelan Cole, Chris Conley, Chris Thompson, and D.D. Westbrook. Fantasy finishes, Gardner Minshew finishes QB 20. With a 235.24 points. Fournette, RB7 with 259.4 points. DJ Chark, wide receiver 17, 225.8 points. D.D. Westbrook, wide receiver 42 with 156.7. Chris Conley, wide receiver 43 with 156.5. And then Tyler Eifert finishes tied in 19 with 106 points with the Bengals last year. So I'm going to make you pick. One of these quarterbacks is going to be starting under center for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2021. The Godna or Trevor Lawrence? Minshew. Uh, I'd say better shot of Lawrence. Interesting. All right. I can't wait till we talk about the – what do we got? Was it like probably two more weeks before we get into actually breaking down the divisions and picking all this stuff? Can't wait to see where everybody has Jacksonville Jaguars. It's going to be fun. Do you guys think Armstead could be the future at running back? We've seen, unfortunately, I don't know if their GM is going to last there, but he does seem to have a very high opinion of Armstead. He looked good before he got hurt last year, and they did decline Fournette's option. Now, granted, there are some decent RBs that could be in this draft uh, in the likes of Harris, Hubbard, ETN, Journey Brown. Uh, you know, everybody's favorite Max Borgie. I'm just kidding on that one. Uh, but do you guys think Armstead could be the future of Jacksonville? Sure. I mean, any, we, anybody could. I mean, we've seen some relatively no-name players be relevant in the NFL for two or three or four years. So, yeah, he's got as good a shot as anybody that's not on the team. 
Um, I don't know. It, I got to be honest. I would not be the least bit surprised if Fournette goes out, rushes for 1,500 yards, catches 60 passes, and they franchise tag him. I mean, that's just the kind of businessman Shad Khan is. It's right up there with Daniel Snyder. Wow. That, that was rough. You know, I I think Fournette not getting a fifth-year option could have, could have been a as much a motivating tool as anything. Uh, could Armstead be the guy? I I guess I I would lean more towards. I think there's a chance they bought him out and clean house. All right, yeah, I'm um, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm drafting Armstead in all the dynasties that I'm in this year because he's going as what was it? I had it over here just a minute ago. Uh, I didn't pull it up, but I'll find it here in a minute. He's going. He's very a decent lottery ticket. I'm, I mean, yeah. and, but that's that's really all he is is just somebody I'm going to throw at my, you know, if I have 30 roster spots, I'm going to give him number 28, 29, or 30, and let's see what happens. Right, and I mean, he, he's a decent receiver out of the backfield. I mean, I'm, I've kind of fallen in love with Temple running back since uh, since my guy Remon Davis. So I've done a little bit more looking at Reichwell, and then of course the talk uh, ADP is uh, two fifty five. They they basically is going undrafted. Yeah, so I mean, if you could grab him in one of your last rounds right there, and he ends up being something like I, I think it's a worthwhile grab, especially with. The one thing, while Fournette looked amazing last year, we finally saw the Fournette we all hoped when he came out and everybody drafted him ahead of CMC, even though this guy told you not to. He's been injured every other year. And, and I, I could honestly see that happening again this year, and then they're going to lean on a guy like Armstead and Thompson. So if you're getting a guy who's practically going undrafted, like Armstead. Yeah, in RV64 is what they have him in PBR. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as Dennis mentioned, it's a great lottery ticket to grab this year. And even if you don't have Fournette, He's a guy I would try and grab at the end of your drafts because, hey, at worst, if it doesn't work out after a couple weeks, he's a guy you can just drop and pick up someone who's blowing up. So uh, let's see here. Chark balled out last year, but do you trust anybody else in this wide receiver room? Do you want me to take this one, Matt? I'll cede my time. I'm going to say no, and I will cede my time to the master. Uh, you go first. I did. I No, I do not trust. <laughs> Am I trusting Griffin Connolly? No, I don't have the iHeart uh, Chris Connolly tattoo on my chest like you do. You, you know, he played the most snaps. He, he's so historically wide receivers. This now, this is the part where my internet's going to screw up and you're going to lose me. So, <laughs> so historically, wide receivers changing teams, unless they're elite, a la DeAndre Hopkins, some guys like that, they tend to struggle. So uh, Chris Conley last season, brand new team, had issues with at quarterback. Gardner's kind of settled it down a little bit. But he had 90 targets, led the team in snaps. Uh, I think Chark is definitely the number one. But I don't think LaVisca Chenault is – I mean – I referred to Nicole Hardman as a small Cordero Patterson. At this point, LaVisca Chenault is an injury-prone Cordero Patterson. Uh, so I, I think Conley's status as the second wide receiver in Jacksonville is relatively stable, and, and Westbrook's is the third. You know, that may be where Chenault kind of 
pops in and, and, and takes some, some snaps, but I, I like Conley. I'm, I'm grabbing Conley late because, you know, nobody likes him and, and you know, 90 targets and led the wide receivers and snaps. Give me that late every damn day. Yeah, I don't hear. Am I frozen or are you muted? Probably because I turned my volume down. Let's try that again. As we know, last year, Tyler Eifert at least produced somewhat on the field for the Cincinnati Bengals after being injured quite often throughout his career. Josh Oliver was a guy we were all high on coming out of the draft last year. Who would you rather have in that tight end room? The often injured but somewhat produces Tyler Eifert or the budding possible superstar in Josh Oliver? You're using the term superstar kind of loosely there, I think. Uh, but I'm going with Oliver. I'm going to take the young guy. He's going into his second year. Eifert is what he is at this point, which is a 30-ish year old, uh, frequently injured, two, three touchdown game every season to make you hope he can, you know, show you, oh, my gosh, he's going to – He's going to be the guy this year. He's going to save me. Uh, I, I got to get him. He's going to be my – he's going to break out again. Like a, He's, he's going to surprise. Yeah, give me Oliver. Yeah, I'm not starting a Jacksonville tight end on my team in uh, 2020, so I would rather have Oliver as well. Yeah, me too. I think I have him in a couple places, and I, I hope that he can obviously um, kind of break out this year. I, I like Eifert, but he just gets hurt way too much. All right. You know what so, I, hate? Over- I hate when I go and I make a very verbose point, and then Matt comes in and makes the same exact point in like five words. <laughs> you know, I had that's a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> All right, so over-unders. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, Gardner Minshew, QB 18, over or under? Way over. I got the over as well. Yeah, I want to go under so bad here, but I'm going to go over as well. He is an ADP of 201. He is QB 27 off the board. Just ahead of him, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, and Mr. Teflon Tommy, Tom Brady. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'm going to take him over Teddy. Um, depending on my mood, I can be talked into taking him over at Tannehill. You know, those voices in my head get to chatter in, and I, I can be like, you know, Minshew's, a, uh, he's just a one-year wonder, lucked into his spot. He, he's, the it he has is social media personality, not NFL talent. Um, so I could be convinced on Tannehill. And, and I Right now, I think Brady's got a couple more years at least. So given where I'm taking them, I'm probably taking Brady over Minshew. I would not take him over any of those three. Yeah, Brady would be the one that's close for me. He might be it'd be a coin flip based on the discussion we had earlier with rivers and how my team's shaping up, but uh, he would be close. Uh, just after him, Dwayne Haskins, Ben Roethlisberger and Derek Carr. Would you take any of those three over Minshew? I I'm going to take Haskins. Um, 
I actually probably would end up taking all three. You know, if I'm taking Ben, it's because I'm in a win now and I, I'm convinced that his elbow is right. He's got those weapons. They're, they're going to produce some numbers. So I, I, I might, I, it'd be a coin flip of Ben. I'm taking Haskins uh, just because it's probably homerism. Um, both teams are kind of hot messes right now. Um, and, and I feel like Carr is getting ready to have a, a probably a two- or three-year stretch. Uh, they surrounded him with a bunch of weapons that kind of play to his strengths. And so right now I'm taking Carr over Minshew. Yeah, I'm taking Carr and Haskins. I'm with you. I, I like the way Carr is kind of fired off in the media here lately with how he feels disrespected. We talked about a little bit on – Again, the Debbie Delight podcast we did Saturday where I'm buying in a little bit more into this Las Vegas Raiders offense and Derek Carr than, than others are. Uh, I like the weapons they've added around him. So I'm going to take Carr over them. And Haskins, same thing. I mentioned it. Um, shoot, I don't know what we were doing and why I brought him up, but uh, he was actually one of the best quarterbacks per pro football focuses to, uh, quarterback rankings toward the end of last year. He started to get better and better, obviously started off like a garbage fire. I think we can all admit that, but he improved throughout the end of the year. Uh, obviously having a, a bad kind of offensive line, but they've added weapons around him, new coaching staff. I like Ron Rivera. Uh, I like um, uh, Schottenheimer's son. I can't remember what his first name is now off the top of my head. Is it Turner? Scott Turner. North Turner's son. North Turner's son. That's what I meant. I was just testing to make sure you guys were, were listening to me. Uh, Scott Turner, uh, I like the way that he kind of ran that offense with Cam. Uh, so I do think Haskins can have a big year uh, moving forward. Leonard Fournette, RB10 in 2020, over or under? Honestly, I think I got him at 11 in our redraft rankings. And so for 2020, I'm going to say just just slightly over. Won't be the least bit surprised if he finishes top eight, though. He said 10. Maybe like Dennis. I have slight over because I'm at uh, 13. I'm going slight over as well. ADP of 38, RB19 off the board. Just ahead of him, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, and Kenyon Drake. Would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him probably over Akers and Swift because I know this year I'm probably – I feel like I'm going to compete this year. I feel like I'm going for the championship uh, because where I'm drafting him is probably what? Round three, round four. Um, so I'm, I'm going to – I'm probably not taking a, a rookie this year, at least not Akers and Swift. I'm not taking over him. Uh, this year, uh, but I'm taking Drake over Fournette. I think I would take him over all three. I'm not sold that Drake is long term in Arizona. Yeah, uh, so for me, I'd take him over Acres and, or I would, I would take him over Drake. I would not take him over Acres and Swift because, like we talked about earlier, they declined his fifth year option. I mean, Fournette has a ton of talent. I don't know where he lands, and so uh, I think Acres and Swift for sure have. Their backfields, except obviously when we talked about on the rookies, I'm higher on Swift than most people. I don't think Carrion's going to eat into that workload as much. Uh, and even though Akers is playing behind an offensive line of uh, wet paper sacks, 
he's still proven college he could do pretty good with that kind of bad offensive line as well. So um, I take both of them over him. Uh, behind him, Gurley, Montgomery, and Hunt. Would you take any of those three over Fournette? I would take Hunt and probably not even probably. I would take Montgomery. I would. I just I, I can't quit him either. What about you guys? You're muted, Dennis. I, I would not. I'm taking Fournette over all three of them. I would not take any of them either. All right. Armstead, I just threw this on here because I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. So according to DLS ADP, he's going a little bit higher than the one Matt brought up. Right around the same range, RB-wise, but ADP of 188, RB61 off the board. So just ahead of him, dart throws at the bottom of your drafts. Uh, Rashad Penny, Lynn Bowden Jr., and Duke Johnson Jr. Would you take him over any of those three? I would not. I'd take him over Penny and Bowden, not Duke. After him, LaMichael P. Ryan, Justin Jackson, and Jamichael Hasty. Would you take any of those three over Armstead? I'm probably taking P. Ryan and uh, probably Hasty. I would take P. Ryan and Jackson. I knew you would take Jackson. I would take P. Ryan because I think Bell's gone, and I think he could be the at least the back for next year uh, for the Jets. All right, DJ Chark, wide receiver 18 in 2020, over or under? Over. Yeah, I have him uh, right Right there, I think somewhere 17, 18, 19. Push comes to shove, I'm going to say over. I am going under. He would have almost finished his top 12 year last year without the injury, so I'm going under on him. ADP of 43, wide receiver 19 off the board. Just ahead of him, Cooper Cup, Cortland Sutton, and Calvin Ridley. Would you take him over any of those three? Uh, Cup and Ridley. I would not take him over any of those three. I would take him over Cup and Ridley as well. Just behind him, CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs, and Jerry Judy. Would you take any of those three over Chark? Much like Matt, I I think I would take CeeDee Lamb. Matt's going to go Lamb and Judy. No, I would just take CeeDee Lamb. Interesting. I would definitely take Lamb. Judy would be a coin flip just because might not do it this year, but if he really can excel in the slot with that dude's route running, he could be dangerous there in Denver. I'm really starting to come around on Judy. Dee Westbrook, wide receiver 40 in 2020, over or under? Over. Over. Over for me as well. ADP of 195, wide receiver 82. Just ahead of him, John Ross, Jalen Hurd, and Steven Sims. Would you take him over any of those three? Definitely take him over Ross. Um at that point in the draft, I don't know if I – it'd be a coin flip with the herd, but I'm taking Sims over Westbrook. Yeah, I think I would take him over Ross and Hurd, but Sims I think has a shot at being number two for at least this year in Washington. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ross easily – he's I think he's buried on that death chart now with all the, the talent they have there. And Hurd, same thing. Uh, we haven't seen San Francisco be able to make but maybe one wide receiver viable for fantasy. And I think that's going to be Ayuk or Samuel. I don't buy into the Hurd hype. Sims easily, though, for me over Westbrook. Just after him, AGG, Isabella, and uh, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, AGG easily for me over Westbrook. I wouldn't take the other two. What about you guys? Yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I, and mostly because wait, AGG – 
I don't expect anything from him this year. Potentially, you know, he gets a shot, but I, you're, you're drafting him late and, and hoping for next year that he can secure the role across from uh, McLaurin. Uh, but I'm not taking I, I I'm not taking Isabella over pretty much anybody, uh, and and I'm done with Jackson. You're only taking Isabella over Butler, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I I would take AGG and that's it. Uh, just for Dennis, Chris Conley, who is actually currently going undrafted, according to DL left uh, draft. Not, uh, not in drafts that I'm in, he's not. Well, I know that, and that's why I'm bringing this up. So he's going undrafted, but the list, I mean, the list above these guys is even more ridiculous, but I think I'm with Dennis on this point. Like, Sanu Quez Watkins, who I'm going to be honest, I don't even know who that is. And he's, Marcus, a, he's in you know, Philadelphia, I think, 6'4", guy with good speed. I don't know who, who he is. Like, I legit have no idea who that guy is, but I know where he's at. Um, or MVS. So all three of those guys are like the last three wide receivers getting drafted ahead of Chris Conley. I would take Chris Conley over all three. Would you guys? Hell yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I love MVS. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking of you. I, they were talking about Green Bay pass catchers uh, on the way home today, and MVS didn't even get name checked among the people that have potential to contribute to the Packers from the Packers beat reporter. And I thought, God damn it, Dennis convinced me to take so many shares at the end of drafts. Man, the dude, six six foot four, four three nine speed. Maybe he's not the number two because. You know, Lazard is big and slow. You know, Lazard is Devin Funches with better hands. Well, now I got to go play waivers and hope I can get Chris Conley. I got to get one of your man crushes that's actually going to play. Apparently, Chris Conley will be there unless you're in a league with Dennis. All right. So, Tyler Eifert, tight end 16, over or under? Way over. Yeah. uh, I don't know. Well, I put both of the tight ends here at the same number because I wasn't sure if you guys wanted Eifert or Oliver. So uh, Eifert has probably plays in 2020. I just don't think he's going to be a tight end two, maybe tight end three. Hey, the the Irish legend himself, James O'Shaughnessy, was having a good season before he got hurt last year. So (laughs) they liked him so much they went and got fragile as glass Tyler Eifert. Yeah, of course. You know, it's. Better to have two injured tight ends than one. ADP of 237. He is tight end 39 off the board. Just ahead of him, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, and CJ Uzoma. Are you taking him over any of those three? Caden Smith. I mean, I like my tight ends to actually start. (laughs) I I take him over Caden Smith and Uzoma. Uh, Same. I would take him over Smith and Uzoma. Uh, After... After Eifert, Jordan Aikens, Thaddeus Moss, and I believe it's Dalton Keene, if I'm remembering correctly. Would you take any of those three over him? I wouldn't take any of the four of them. Okay. I would take Dennis's secret man crush, Thaddeus Moss. Thaddeus Moss, that's right. So would I, Thaddeus Moss, because Dennis loves him so much. All right, so Oliver. That'll leave leave somebody playable for me. Exactly. Oliver tied in 16. Are we all going way over on this as well? Yeah, way over. I, I don't know about way over. I, I'm going over, but somebody is 
going to catch the ball at the tight end position there. And Eifert had his healthy year last year. So Eifert playing eight games this year is probably, you know, out of the realm of possibility. Uh, so Oliver in year two is going to get some playing time. I don't think he's going to get enough playing time and enough target share to move him past tight end 16. But I could see him at tight end 20, tight end 21, 22, uh, being one of those guys that next year when we're talking about it, we're like, hey, this dude's ready to break out. He's going into his third year, injured first year, flashed his second year. He could be next year's Ian Thomas. All right, so an ADP of 234, he is tied in 35 off the board. Just ahead of him, Khalil Waring, King Albert, and Devin Asiasi. Would you take him over any of those three? I'm probably taking him over Waring and Asiasi because I just don't know what the hell is going on there. Uh, I, I They talk about how fluid and agile and athletic Asiasi is, and then when you look at it, he's like six foot three and 280 pounds. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. It could happen, but that that's not the build. The fluid he is is motor oil, okay? Yeah, something. So you're just going those two? Oh, I'm taking. I'm I'm not taking Oliver. Uh, I'm probably taking Albert over Oliver just because I, I I'm more comfortable with his ability as a pass catcher to be able to break out at some point if not a tight end one uh, for his team to be the mismatch threat for his team. So you and also, because, yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I would take him over Warring and that's it. I would take him over Ossie Ossie and that's it. I think Warring's going to be the guy in, in Houston. I still, I still remember what John Lobb told us about him last year. He was all in on him and, and John knows what he's talking about. So I'm still going to take Warring and then Albert O as well. Uh, over Oliver, just behind him, the same three guys we just mentioned with Eifert, Uzoma, Caden Smith, and Rudolph. Would you take any of those three over Oliver? Nope. I would not. I would not. Oliver has upside. <laughs> All right, so that will do it for the huge news dump there at the beginning of the episode. And then, of course, the AFC South. We will be back on Thursday as before we're going to talk. We go, yes. Before we go, I want to give a shout-out to uh, – co-host of the IDP 411 and Dynasty Nerds IDP writer Jordan Rains at 50 Shades of Drunk on Twitter. Congratulations on your upcoming wedding this weekend. That's right. Congratulations to Jordan. He runs uh, most of the IDP stuff for the nerds. The dude is extremely smart when it comes to IDP. A great guy as well. I'm in a couple leagues with him as well. Congratulations to Jordan. I wish him a congratulations on Twitter as well. Jump on there and wish him a congratulations. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. We will be mostly talking uh, redrafts uh, with rankings and kind of we're, we're going to use our current listener league redraft here as kind of an arbiter of all things redraft and discuss certain players where they went. We'll have Dennis grade the draft as it's been going. He's going to love that number two slot in the draft for sure. Uh, I have a feeling he's just going to love the way that team was built right off the bat. Uh, but we will see you guys again on Thursday. Have yourselves a great day. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. I came out the wall line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored.